It is time for Streetwise with former chief of the New York City Sheriff's Department, former chief of the Seagate Police Department, retired New York City detective, Time Warner Public Access Media Award, Joe Franklin Super Excellence in Broadcasting Memory Lane Award, New York Veteran Police Association Streetwise Productions, host of Streetwise, Mr. Lou Tolano. Uh, good evening and welcome back to Streetwise. You know, my guest, uh, I could say, uh, use the term, I got to be careful, he's colorful. You know, and I'll be introducing <laughs> him in, in, in the moment. But I just want to, you know, they say he's controversial, say he's outspoken, but you know, it's in the eyes of the beholder. So my thought on that is, if if, if, he, if he doesn't fit in with the ultra liberal narrative or their viewpoint, they call him controversial. They call him outspoken. I don't think so. Anyway, it's my pleasure to introduce, I'll just tell you whether he, uh, oh, I might as well go to the name and uh, where your church is, uh, Pastor, Pastor James David Manning of the, I hope I pronounce this right, Pastor, Atla World Missionary Church of Harlem, which is Christian. That's good enough, yes. You know? Right. Welcome to Streetwise. I'm glad they got you out of Harlem on a day like today. Nice day. It's quite a rock coming out of Harlem out here as well, but it's good to see the vegetation and the trees. I'm not going to get a chance to see a lot of that in Harlem, but it's good to be with you, Lou. Thank you yes. so very much. Well, it's a real honor to be on this broadcast. Oh, well, I mean, well, it, you know. it, it truly is, considering my career in crime some time ago to be able to sit across the street on the table from a police chief. Praise God. Okay. <laughs> well, that's, you know, I appreciate that. That's uh, from you. I, I hope God's listening, you know, and I'm sure, I'm sure he is. Now, uh, I don't think you're controversial, but some of the things you say, you know, you do, you know, some people say, oh, what the heck are you saying about market? We can't say it this way. You do use the N-way quite often when you make your spiel, which is obviously, well, yeah, I'm not going to do that yeah. tonight. You no, know? no, I'm not, I'm okay. not going that, down that road, no. Okay. White trash, which I say myself. So yeah, I use that quite a bit too. Yeah, so that's uh, you know, but then you refer the people when you say that. Yeah, you mention names too. So <laughs> I which do is, that as well. Which, which too, which is uh, fine also. So I'm trying to think where to start with you. Let me start with the former president of the United States of America, Barack Hussein Obama. You mean the long-legged Mac Daddy? That's what you call long-legged. <laughs> very good. Well, that's who he is. Uh, I know. Uh, what do you want me to say about it? Well, day? first of all, you know when you talk about when I watch you. Uh, I think you refer to him as homosexual. Correct me if I'm if, 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 no no doubt about it. He's a sodomite. Sodomite. He's a, he's a flat out sodomite. In fact, um, I uh, was able to have a long standing relationship by way of dealing with him politically. What kind of relationship? With, not with I'm him. Kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't go there. No, yeah, don't go there. no, no but dealing with his lover, Larry Sinclair. Mm. Uh, yeah, Larry Sinclair wrote a book. Larry Sinclair was one of the first ones that came out against Obama, demonstrating not only he's a sodomite, but he's a crackhead, using right. crack when he was in Illinois, uh, I think, in the House of Illinois, Senator, not the state, not for the state, but he was in the House of Illinois. Uh, yeah, so now he's a sodomite, and, uh, homosexual. Homosexual. You, you name it. That's okay. what he is. So, all right, now you talk about... Michelle, who some people call Michael. I call it a fist bumper. And, but okay. I, yeah, I, and I call it a, I don't know if you remember when the, early on in the career that she bumped his fist on the public stage. I think mm. he, he had just nominated that Kennedy girl to run over there to Japan or something like that. Right. And she bumped his fist and they had just won something. But yeah, I would call him Michael too, but I like. I like the fist bumper better. Right, the fifth, the fifth bumper. Bumper. Yes, the bumper. Oh, oh, yes, right, that's true. Because you <laughs> criticize it doing that. It's not like lady oh, like Absolutely. Right? No, they yes. don't. That's not what women, women don't do that. Men bump each other's fists. Right, right. So Michael is her name. But anyway. Uh, well, you, you know, if you, if you go on the YouTube, 
He made a couple of speeches at different times, different uh, places, and he used he slipped and he used the word "my Michael." Yeah, right, right, right. He used that several times. Yes. If I'm mistaken. Yes, he did. Yes, um, and I think that there there's a lot of information out there on YouTube regarding her. Uh, the anatomy with respect to the size of her fingers and shoulders yes. that do yes. not comport with what is generally known for for a female anatomy that she does not have. Well, what are you about six three, six two, six yeah, three? Yeah, yes, yeah. she's bigger than you. Yes, she is wider shoulder <laughs> and got bigger legs and arms and fists than mine too. By the way, right, right. I'm jealous. <laughs> well, I, and bigger something else maybe. Perhaps oh, no. So, I hope not. <laughs> I hope not. Well, uh, again, I hope not. I hope not too. Now, some other things were on the same subject, and I like you when you correct these people who refer to you as outspoken and controversial. Uh, again, it's their liberal left viewpoint, and they call you one of the things they do refer to you as homophobic. Right. I like your response, and I just to say for the listeners, when you're referred to as homophobic, your response is. I'm not afraid of a homo. Uh, I mean, phobia is a scientific clinical firm for for being afraid of something. Right. That I, I'm not afraid of homos. I, right. I'm, I, I'm not afraid of what they do or who they are. Correct. I don't have a physical fear of them nor a, a spiritual fear of them. Right. Uh, mm. That's a label that they're trying to put on me because I identify uh, that their lifestyle is one of absolute debauchery. Um, and they try to respond by calling me homophobic. And then somehow no, that's going to shame me out. No, I'm not homophobic. Right, right. No, I don't think so. No, uh, well, whatever that term means. Right. You know? So then many of us uh, are not called homophobic, too, then for that matter, because uh, I've, I don't agree. I don't have to be a Christian, you know, so that's, uh, I don't believe in it. To me, right. it's, it's a sin, I think, by my beliefs. I was brought up that way, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's an abomination. I think it steps two, three. Nation. It's it, yeah. <laughs> okay, abomination, right? Okay. No, it, it's far worse than just a sin. It's a crime against humanity. It's right. a slap in the face of God. Mm. I mean, it's just a ugly behavior. Uh, sodomy is, and so you know. And I'm not backing up. I, I you know, I, I would sure I'm a Christian. I right. was uh, blood of Jesus Christian. I'm b- b- Bible believing. You know, blood washed and bought mm. by the power of the blood of Jesus Christian. And our church is such. Um, and the word of God condemns it. That's just, I don't care who comes along in their own sense of humanity and try to make it right. God says it's wrong. Right, right. It's uh, okay. Now. Uh if you believe in the Bible, there was no Adam and Adam, there was, there was Adam and Eve, there was no Eve and Eve. And no, and no Adam and Steve either. And Steve, yes, I, I, I know. So, uh, I, I, I know. so that's, that's one of the things that the, uh, when they say you're controversial. But, you know, every, everyone that, you know, I got a nice press release out there in regard to you, we got the... The uh, police even just buzzes. You know, stop I by. Heard the police came by to keep yeah, the peace still here. I, you know, they just assume <laughs> because you know, and I says, ah, "Don't worry about it. my engineer was dangerous, so he can, he can handle. He can he handle anything. He can handle anything that we have to, you know, any surprises over here. So, uh, you know, in your hood, <laughs> in your neighborhood, yeah, my hood, right? in your in, in your hood." There's a controversy there now with the, uh, and uh, I like you talking about because, uh, uh, you know, I hope I get this right, Starbucks, right? Right. And, uh, Starbucks just had a tremendous controversy uh, in regard to calling the police. Right. To, to right. Black Drell was sitting there, they called the police. So that was a controversy in itself, right? Right. Okay, now you have a different controversy in regard to Starbucks. 
I do. I okay. Do. Speaking of sodomites. Yeah, I do. Am I right? That's. I am convinced yes. that what Starbucks has done is that they have found a way to sympathize uh, the the effects of semen, which is not a, an, an extraordinary thing. Semen from a man. Yeah, from a man. Right. Not a woman's excretions from her organ, her sexual right. organs, but a man's semen. They have found a way to synthesize, synthesize that. And it becomes a blend. They put it in their blend of their lattes and their various coffees. Now, you'll remember that you've been around the street for a long time. You know that Coca-Cola used to put Absolutely. cocaine in their caramel-flavored drinks, right. and people were addicted to it. Uh, and later, the government, the FDA, discovered they were doing that, and they restricted it. Starbucks have been able to get around that process. In fact, I was the first one to report this. This was reported in major media. Uh, and then they pushed back and said it wasn't, and the FDA has not stepped in. But that's what Starbucks has done. But but so that that's where I'm at, and, and I remain on on that. Okay. That issue. All right. So that, first of all, uh, how do they get it? If you know how how do you think they get synthetic? Synthetic. It's synthetic. Synthetic. Okay. Right. So, so what's their purpose? What would be the purpose of doing that? What it does what do it gives you a sense of euphoria. Uh, semen is produced. Semen is the cream of the human blood system. Right. Uh, it is really blood, but blood at its highest level, mm. like cream is of milk. Right. But even more so, semen is. And the little semen that the man has on his scrotum comes as a result of the blood producing it. But what it does in terms of its effect, it has this euphoric effect about it. You've been around the street, so you know about dopamine, you know about drugs, you know about what drugs do to the to the system of the right. mind to make you feel you, make you feel invincible. Though right. you're not, you feel that you you feel this great fear. Well, and sent this synthetic drugs. Well, the synthetic semen does the same thing. Gives mm. people when they drink their lattes this great feeling. It's just a wonderful taste, they think. But they're drinking semen. <laughs> <laughs> now, is this, is this, I know it was exposed and I, I think I saw you mention that nobody, nobody's concerned, FDA or anybody of that from, from you know, from a health perspective, let's say, or, or concerned about health. It seems there's no, I know it was reported, no outcry. Well, Obama was running the, when it was reported, uh, Obama was in charge of the FDA, the Federal Drug Administration, oh, right. and he questioned, he did not allow it to go forward. He had the power of all the administrators. Right. He's the one that, that allowed it to continue to go, and no investigation has been done. Maybe somebody will pick it up a little bit later on, but he's the one that stopped the investigation. Because you know it was a public, I'm not the one who, who made the first statements right. about this. Well, you're the one that pretty bored that lets our uh, uh, attention, let's yeah, say, yeah, you, you yeah. know, in your, your, in your case. Now, what's this being like, you know, uh, years ago, if you want to meet, I'm talking about normal people, if you want to meet a girl, you go to a certain club, right? Right. Or um, then it starts changing. If you want, if you a guy want to meet a guy, you go to a certain place, right. you know, a homosexual place, and they will hook up. Is that what Starbucks does? It draws their clientele by doing that? In other words, the homosexual sodomite world, is that why you think that's they, you know, put that in, in your drink, your coffee? Couldn't have said it better myself. 
No, I mean, I could have mm. said it. No, it's exact. It's a meeting place that meeting has a place. casual, mm. if you will, kind of a flow. You don't have to wait for the evening lights to come. You don't have to have a band. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's a meeting place. You go there and you sit. They allow you to sit, to lauder, to, you know, work on your computer and you buy a latte and someone comes over and say, how are you? And people walk out holding hands. That's and it's, oh. that's what has made it so so popular and so famous. Right, right, right. And Plus, they got political clout too, Starbucks, because generally a lot of sodomites have political influence all the way up to the senators and congresspersons and judges in our states and in our national courts. So they got clout. They got plenty of power. Yes, they do. And that's why some people running for office, they cater to certain particular groups for that reason because they have clout. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yes. Now, there's something else you're concerned about, spreading the disease. Uh, Ebola? Is that what you touched right. on that? Yeah. Right. What is that? That's another concern, but a bigger concern, I would think, because that kills you. It's an African-born disease, <laughs> and I'm sure that it came initially, it happened in Africa. Now, you might remember two doctors that traveled, I'm not sure whether it was Ghana or Liberia, that traveled from Africa, and one of them, they were treated, they were given an antidote to it, and was completely revived of it. The other one in Texas, I think in Houston, did not do quite so well. Uh, and then there was this nightclub in Brooklyn and the Starbucks right in my region where I live in Harlem where this doctor, forget his name, I'm going back a couple of years, uh, frequented along with this bowling alley that was a sodomite bowling alley. <laughs> Um, and he contracted Ebola, and a number of other people wow. contracted it as well. I don't think our government has told us, and again, we're looking at a Obama-controlled information from the Federal Drug Administration right. when this Ebola. Now they're saying there, there were five deaths more recently yeah. this month from Ebola. Correct. It's also connected with the HIV, connected with sexual practices, these these new diseases that are being being formed in, well, in, in lots of people. Well, my guest is Pastor James uh, David Manning, uh, Great Church in Harlem. By the way, uh, it's the uh, uh, Atlanta World Missionary uh, Christian Church of Harlem. By the way, so, uh, Pastor, it's also a landmark, correct? You it is. The, the building itself yeah. is a, is a landmark. landmark. Yeah, it's, mm. a, it's a beautiful building. Yeah. It's been there since 1879. Uh, and we were fortunate to get it about 35 years ago. Wow. We purchased it, and we just have a great time in it. But, you know, we're Christians. I love Jesus. I was ordained Baptist, you know, and I mm. remain I remain uh, a part of the Baptist group, mm. you know. I was trained in the seminary. Uh, but we just don't take the liberal line. I mean, it is sickening to watch what black people, if you will, African-Americans, they're not really Christians, you know. It's they are more political than mm. they are Christians, uh, and it's, it is it is sickening to watch what they do and how unbridled their churches are. Th- their children are running wild. Their daughters are right. having babies, like they, and their mamas are aborting babies, and their sons are shooting one another in the streets. Right. Uh, it's an absolute scream. The way the the, the liberal politicians and so-called what I call pinch-nosed Negroes, yeah. the, the kind of theory, the, the theology that they have, and the fact that they, I mean, it, it is really a, 
a scream to watch the fact that there's no discipline in the communities. But one of the things they don't like about me is that I point all this out as being ungodly. It's it, You're bringing hell on yourself. You're blaming white folk for everything that's wrong with you mm-hmm. when you are your own worst enemy. By the way, you know that Starbucks event in Philadelphia where right. the Starbucks manager called the police officer because the two guys were sitting there and they hadn't ordered anything. Well, hell, you know, most Jesse Jackson said himself that he would walk down the street in Harlem by himself uh, late at night right. and saw black young black boys coming. He'd go yeah. to the you don't know what they're going to do. Right. You, you just don't have any eye. And the, the, the other thing, and I won't go any further with this, is that black people, and I'm not here just to slam them. I'm here to try to help them. They have built such up such a violent reputation in the community. You see the boy, you see them sitting there in Starbucks. You don't know if they're getting ready to rob the place or not. If they're not acting in a way that represents they're going to be customers. So I was not against the Starbucks manager for calling the police. I think he should have. Well, you, you know, also what, what's not mentioned is that ninety percent throughout the country now that has Starbucks when they're stuck up, right. African American. Well, you know, yeah, people. okay. Yeah. So, so that's you know, manager comes in, he sees again two black people. Look, you know, I'm born and raised in New York's Lower East Side. It was called the melting pot. You okay. know, so uh, I think the term racism, we never heard of that. You know, because we all lived, I lived in the projects. I raised five kids in projects. I'm talking about stuff before I came out to Long Island. But so, uh, the term, you know, I was 19 years old, started working for the, for the city. And I watched the change. The guys who worked with were Negroes. Right. Black, black right. Guys, right. And then they became colored people. Right. And then people of color. Right. Right. Then and now, black. And now black and now African American. American. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, and I'm neither of those, by the way, so don't call me that out. You might get in a fight with me. So, what, so what do we, well, I'm going to call you pasta. Yeah, yeah that's that way you do good. You. Call you know, me anything but late for supper. You know? but. But uh, you don't look like you've been late for supper, by the way. <laughs> look, you've been, actually look like you you've been early. Look like you've been early a few times. <laughs> so, uh, but, yeah, so that's one of the problems that I see, you know. In other words, if someone's not even sure, you know, uh, and you talk about yourself, you know, you, you talk about, why do you call yourself African in America? What, you, what can you, what's your accomplishments, or what is the accomplishments in Africa? Like you mentioned the Eiffel Tower, you mentioned the... Uh, uh, sorry, in, in London, the clock. There's you know, a whole lot of the things. The whole lot. You go back to, you talk about 11th, 12th century Rome or Greece or right. whatever. Uh, right. And, okay. Now, I got a lot of criticism from people because I said, I'll release that you're going to be my guest. And it's a close friends. How do I say this? Do I say I got black friends also? No, but they were saying, Lou, do you know who this guy is? He's off the wall. You know? He yeah. criticizes his own people. You know? Listen, 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 Lou. Lou, I don't think anybody loves the so called misguided black man or African-American that I do. I don't think there's a greater love. Al Sharpton don't love black folk. And there's enough people that green, I, He loves green folk. That's what he loves. And Jesse Jackson, nor Obama, when they were killing and still are killing people in Chicago, there's one weekend during his administration, I think either 17 or 25 killings along with another 50 people injured. You know what Obama did that weekend? He went to the golf course. He didn't go pray. He didn't act. He didn't speak about it. wasn't concerned about it. But let me, let me come back to the issue of the fact that I have stated, and it is true, that the so-called black man or African-American hasn't built any major cities or structures or nations. I mean, that's just how it is. I'm, I don't say it because I'm full of hate. I say it because it's true. And perchance people will get angry enough to say, that's right, we need to do something. Mm. Well, you go to Africa, there's 25 
thousand miles of circumference of ocean around the the, the continent of Africa. It's 25,000 miles to go from mm-hmm. the top to the bottom in the east-west side in the Atlantic Ocean. And before the slave owners or the missionaries came to Africa, the Africans themselves who had been there for years had never built a seaworthy vessel. And, mm. I mean, if you go to I, – I, I spoke at Oxford yes. uh, some time ago, and uh, St. Anthony's College was built in the 10th century. We're talking a 1,000 years ago. Huh. What a great big wall and beautiful brick decorations. You can't find that in Africa. And I'm not saying it because I want to belittle people. But I think that we need to know that if we're going to set be set free and and recognize that we have a lot to do, we got a lot to learn, and we need to humble ourselves right. if we're going to be a great nation of people. Yeah, like you, you refer also to the Great Wall of China. Which yeah, is, and know. I've been there too. You right. know, uh, and 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 there isn't anything like that right. in all of Africa. Now in Zimbabwe, there's a little short wall about four. I don't know, maybe about 30 feet, but it doesn't do very much. I don't even know why it's there. Well, you mentioned 84, Jesse Jackson. uh, I think it did, Al Sharpton, and I can keep going, you know. We still have slavery in Africa. Yeah, absolutely. People still selling people right while we're speaking right now. That's right. In this country, in this world, I should say. Not this country, but in this world. Why is there no outcry? Yep. Because there's no, there is, there is no love. Now, let me again say, I don't, I'm not reeling against black folks. I hate them. God knows, I, I love the people. I love all God's people. Right. I don't want to try to help in whatever way I possibly can, whatever truth. And if I'm wrong, well, I'll get. We'll, God will deal with that. But there's no outcry because there is no love. As I talked about Obama in Chicago, who did right. nothing. Um, and the other thing is, is, is that. The you know there never would have been slaves in America in the first place if the if the elders and village chiefs had not sold their young children some of them as as young as four and five years mm-hmm. old to put on the slave ship it never would have happened there ain't no way that twenty men on a boat can come and take down the whole Mandingo nation right. and and put three hundred people on a boat and and not you just say no way unless they had help so there there is a sense of um, and I, I guess they reflected in me in another way, of sort of self-loathing, self-hatred. Mm. You know, we kill more of each other than anybody else. When of our own kind, right. rob our own grandmother's television. Mm. This needs to be pointed out. As I said before, when Obama was president, he could have done a whole lot more for people to upgrade, but he didn't care. Well, you know, I. Voted for him the first time. You made a mistake, I, and I admit that on it. Yeah, because I thought, like most of us, that he was going to do something. Yes, and it was time, as they say. Right. I, you know, you know. I understand. Yeah. No, I understand. And he blew it, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. He blew it big time. You know, and some people say when I criticize, well, Lou, you know, uh, uh, most white people don't like him. I said, Mike, uh, my response is, how did he get elected? Couldn't get elected just on the basis of. African or black people alone, he got them. He got up, but you know, Pastor, a lot of white people felt Lou, like I did. They wanted him to be president too. Lou, a large number, almost an impossible number of white people said, "Let's help black people." If this, if this is going to be the thing, 
that's going to stop all the black-on-black crime. Mm-hmm. If this is going to be the thing that shuts down the projects, if this is going to be the thing that shuts down Danham or Comstock, uh-huh. Greenhaven, mm-hmm. if this is going to be the thing that shut down Pelican Bay and Rawway, if this is going to be the thing that calls the black community to finally rise to a level that most other societies globally have mm-hmm. done, if Obama can do it, then damn it, I'm voting for him. White people said that. I know. White people said that. But for the audience's sake, you're talking about state prisons and federal prisons when you mentioned all these names. So the audience Raw when you oh, talked yeah, yeah, about they, they know So they know we're talking about jailhouses, yeah. prisons throughout, <laughs> yeah, they, you know, throughout the country. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, they know. Right, yeah, which he did. He did cut a lot of people loose from federal prison. Vicious, bad people, you know, which he did. And from Gitmo, see, that's a question I have with my Jewish colleagues and friends, right? It's because the big supporters of Obama, he hates, I don't think he likes Israel. Obviously, doesn't like Netanyahu. And... He released terrorists from Gitmo in Cuba who went back out there and started killing Jewish people in Israel again, or Israel, whatever. You know? I mean, so, it was obvious but, during the campaign that Obama was a Jew hater, to use the term. Now, I, I don't, I use trash and a whole lot of stuff, right, right. but it's obvious that he was. Uh, his, first of all, his Islamic faith, his, right. his anti-American mm. ideal, uh, and he did a lot to probably bring a lot of detriment towards the state of Israel, not to mention mm. the fact that he put Gitmo killers out of the yes. get, out of uh, Gitmo back into the killing fields of Israel. Right. Uh, but that was obvious that he that's where his feelings are about that. He hates mm. Israel. Well, uh, okay, I'm going to open the phones at uh, 5 o'clock in a couple of minutes, 516-623-1240. That's 516-623-1240 if you have a statement or a question. For the uh, controversial, but I mean that in a kind way, Pastor James David Manning of the Outlaw World Missionary Christian Church of Harlem. You know, so you when you know when I talk to you, it just brings me because I was born in the uh, Lower East Side, and we used to go to the when I was sixteen, seventeen. We can get on the A train and go to the Apollo. Right. You know. Oh, you went to you've been to the Apollo. Oh yeah, we used to go to the Apollo from the low, you know, That was one of the places, and then there was a place. A famous piano room, uh, black club, obviously. Baby Grand? The Baby Grand. And we just stopped by the Baby Grand, not thinking. But today, they said, Lou, you obviously, because I worked in the city, too. We lost that, you know. That's changed. We don't have that camaraderie and closeness today because you've got to be careful what you say, like we talked about before. Can you say, can you say, what do I call a woman? Do I call her a female? Do I call her a lady? Do I call her a girl? I mean, well, you know, I just said, of course... I said a few things, and I was corrected. Lou, she's a lady, or she's a woman, or whatever. So we lost that somewhere. Well, first of all, the baby grand is no longer there. That's correct. They're going down. They got some sort of chicken shack there now, selling chicken (laughs) and collard greens. Uh, And the Apollo Theater has become a museum of sorts Mm. because the so-called... Black entertainers don't go there anymore. They want larger venues. Mm-hmm. The Jay-Z's of the world don't go to where Ray Charles and Aretha Franklin and James Brown, the people of Sarah no era. Bourne and yeah, Billy Eckstein, yeah, that's yeah. my day. Yeah, they don't, they, they, yeah. Lionel Hampton, Duke Ellington. Dinah Washington, yeah, yeah I was gone. They, these, these so-called black entertainers don't want to go to Apollo. The venue's too small, and they probably don't even want to be associated with Apollo itself. But you're right, the language has changed so much. You know, listen, Lou, 
the preaching that I do that everybody says is controversial, 60 years ago, nobody would have turned their head, didn't pay any attention to me, mm. because it, had, it was the language, it was the communication style that people had accepted of all, if you will, races for years in America. It was just the way people talk. Now you got to be careful about the LGBT community. You got to be careful about whether you call somebody African American or whether you call them black. You can't call them Negro. You got to be careful about whether you call people white or black. I mean, it, it is it is nothing but the confusion that the devil has put forward. And I, 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 I regret it. I, and when I speak against it, it I, somehow or another, I'm a bad person. All of their grandfathers, going back generations, all the way back to the old world from which they come, would love me. The same mm. people that want to run me out of town now, right, right. their grandfathers would love me because I, I spoke so. the truth. I think so, yeah. You know, I just want to jump back to um, talking about slavery at the present time where we're sitting in Africa. My question that I mentioned on the show several times, I have a guest here, and his name will be Abdullah, it'll be Hussein, it'll be, you know, again, African-American or black person would come here. My question would be, you know, do you know who who sold, bought, and sold African Americans in Africa at, in those years when slavery was introduced to to us here in this country? Was Egyptians? Am I correct, Pastor? And Muslims in particular. Uh, Muslims in particular, very uh, good. But why would you take their name? Why would they change a name from uh, you know from James David Manning to Abdullah or Muhammad? Why would they even do that if my my ancestors were sold? On the name of these people, why it's like a Jewish kid naming the, the kid Adolf, you know? Try uh, ignorance as a reason why they've done it, why they changed their name. Obviously, if you're ignorant, to your point, historically, uh, and there's several noted Harvard historians uh, that have pointed as much to their mm. regret doing it. That Timbuktu uh, on the coast of West Africa was the greatest slavery. It was a it was a beautiful city, one of the cities, but it was built mainly by Muslims and Muslims mm. from Egypt and from and so and, and northern Sahara came down in into mm. Africa, captured the villages, put them on slave strip, and so right. it was Muslims that did it. By the way, if you go to Sudan right this moment while you and I are talking, right. they're still in the slave business. They're still in the business of, of, of cutting off young girls' look, their sexual right. organs. Yeah, right. They are still transporting and selling slaves in Africa now. There's still more wars going on between so-called slave gangs in Africa and the diamond gangs and all right. of that that's happening right now. And as you said earlier, there's no outcry. I don't know if I gave the proper response long enough to the fact, why isn't someone doing something about that? Because the slavery mechanism is worse today than it ever was. Uh, in fact, what happens now, you, you, there is a, a, a Bor Boko Haram, a group of Muslims mm. under the ISIS flag, captured 400 young girls from, from school, Nigeria from their school. and from their school yeah. and we still don't know where the hell they are but you don't and this is an Obama's administration mind you right yeah, you, I mean have you ever and, and they're still doing it these young girls have been ripped away from their parents right. they've sold into slavery they've, they've most of them been sold, sold to Arab uh, kingdoms and kings mm. as Prostitutes, well, not prostitutes, but as young girls, right. these rich Arab sheiks to have sex with the, young girls. They, they, yeah, and yeah, they'll yeah. never be seen again. That's right. 
where is the outcry? That, that's, that's the question. That's what I would say. I would say, where's the Whoopi Goldbergs or the Oprah Whoopies? I would say there where they jump on something minor, which I think is minor. You know, someone says the wrong word, and, like, they get fired for maybe saying or something. You, you know, know, people so, look at me, so there's so probably some liberal maybe listening to your broadcast oh, yes, right now. Sure. And if I would say, he just against his people. Who would say anything against his people? Why is he talk, Why is he trying to help his people? That's what it is. But, Lou, have I said anything that's a lie? First of all, let those people who are judging right. me as not loving my own people, let them point out one untruth I've said to right. you today. I'm not, I'm not lied. I'm not told the truth. The liars and the non-lovers are the ones who act like this has not happened. It's a shame that Boko Rahan and right. other Muslim organizations are ripping and running in slaves, selling and slave trading young girls and young boys in Africa to this very, very day. And by the way, don't mention no for Winfrey, you know, she started a school in South Africa. I should, yeah. And then she but got she's caught busted of lesbian activity going on down there. Yes, I know that. that so, well, I'll mention you beat me, You beat me to it. But I mean, uh, white people with, uh, with the recognition and power, you know, that can do things, you know. That's what I'm saying, because usually, but that, but that's, it's in almost any country, you could say, say the Philippines, they have an earthquake, you don't see so many Filipinos from here. You do some, but not as much, you, you would hope, to try to help people from the country that they, uh, they came from. So, but just sh- jumping back, and I probably will, you know, in, uh, in, our, in our conversation, is that uh, what can we do? Because you mentioned it before. There's so many young girls out there. They use the term which I <laughs> detest or hate. Baby mama, daddy mama, baby daddy, you know? <laughs> what the heck? Well, I, I, I tell you, it's something like, it's something to be proud of, you know? And, you, you know, and that's, there's, I have to say this from experience, because I come to the Lower East Side. There's three generations of that right now while we're speaking. No, there is, yeah. You know? Yeah. So, well, you know, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a term of endearment. Yes. What it says in effect, what it says socially is that I have a baby by a man. I barely know who the hell he is. We're not married, and generally he's not in support of the child. Right. But the way we identify, the way we relate to one another, because I got another baby by another man, mm. so I have to identify this baby's daddy. Oh, he's the baby uh, daddy. Uh, daddy's baby. After I, and it is a state of debauchery. But here's the other problem. And again, I pray that people don't think I'm just here to derail or to right. discourage or to speak ill. But this is a part of the accepted culture norms. The churches accept this language. You know, the Hollywood Academies and the, N- and the Emmys and the NAACP and the Image Awards and the production of music, they accept this as, as a part of cultural norms. And so, therefore, you might even get some television show if you can use that language enough and then show you got seven or eight children by seven or eight different. What? And you, my dilemma is, I mean, you're looking at it from one point of view. My dilemma is... Is, is how did y'all get so damn crazy? Right. You know what? Because we weren't like this years ago. This, this was the not. Well, again, why is it a norm? Because it became a norm. Right. What, what? Like the bumping is a norm now. Yeah. Yeah. It was. It is. It, it's so. Uh, but when and when you speak against it, is that that's not mine? Yeah. When you speak against it. They say that I'm a hater. I'm uh, not a I hater, know, Lou. I'm telling you, I'm not a hater. I put my life on the line every day I know you on do. the streets of Harlem. Right, right in front of your church, you do. A- I absolutely. See, I, I see no, that. I'm not a hater. No, no. They can say that if they want. Well, I watch, but, you know, they don't have an answer when you when they, when you respond to them. You know, you'll ask them, they'll say something to you, and you'll say, well, what is it about? They don't have an explanation, you know. Like you can, 
like, well, I have some friends of mine that were born and raised in my old neighborhood, and they detest Donald Trump, you know? Right. And I say to them, like four or five I'm sitting with, having dinner, but why do you... Uh, why do you hate Donald Trump? Because every time he opens his mouth, he lies. So, Absolutely. Right. So I said to them, all right, just for you, just name me one lie. And they couldn't. If they could, it would have been okay. You should have asked me. I can, you know, I can oh, name I know. Me. I know you could. Because you, you, you sort of, uh, you, by the way, you were initially a big supporter of Donald Trump. I was. No, I was. Honestly, I did. I, I confessed right. that. Right. But not anymore. Yes. Okay. But that happens. That happens. But one of the things, well, since we're going to uh, talk about that, uh, one of the things you say, Donald Trump is trying to make America and Harlem, am I correct, white or white again? Well, I, I think long before he, he came on the scene, the, the gentrification process was He's already uh, mm. moving forward. And uh, so I wouldn't say, but I can't tell you this, right. that when I was in support of Donald Trump, I was in daily contact, or at least every mm. other day, with Michael Cohen. Because once I had agreed to support Donald Trump and gave my very strong public endorsement, right. I then set up uh, a movement to get Donald Trump to come to Harlem, to the Apollo mm. Theater. So Michael Cohen and I were talking quite a bit about having him come to the Apollo. This right. went on for like two or three months until right. finally Michael told me that, that Trump doesn't really want to come to Harlem. He doesn't want to do that. So the idea was dropped. But mm. if you look at some of my YouTube presentations, you'll know that I, yes. I, I, I invited him to Harlem. I, 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 I did. But right. he didn't want to come. Right. Trump right. himself didn't want to come. Right. Michael Cohen, that's the attorney, correct? The that's the one that's in that's all the trouble you, now. You've got all the issues, yeah. Yeah, that, Michael yeah, Cohen, him. he's his attorney who may, uh, again, all the, all the trouble now, one of the people that they're looking at, whoever they are, so, uh, speaking of that, what do you think is going to be the outcome, since we touched on Donald Trump, what do you think the outcome is going to be on the so-called Mueller investigation that's been going on? Uh, is it a hoax? Is it for real? Because it's, I mean, it's, it's, this is like almost as long as, longer than the Nuremberg trials of World War II. Right. You know? I, I, I believe that, the, the, that Mueller has already put together enough evidence to convict Trump of um, collusion. Mm. That's pretty obvious. Obstruction of justice with the Comey firing, and God only knows what else has done that is obstruction of justice. Uh, the, the problem is, is that how well is and how crafted can he present this right. to the American people and under what auspices? And by that, mm -hmm. I mean the political climate in America is so racially charged yeah. and politically charged right now that uh, you could you could say of Donald Trump that he shot somebody on Fifth Avenue, like he said. and his supporters will say, no, he did not. So <laughs> Mueller can bring all the evidence he wants. However, I think that ultimately, however, that America is going to realize that she's drifting in the wrong direction mm. um, and that we, we are not the people that we socially, religiously, and politically could and right. should be. And I think that people are going to recognize that at that point and recognize that, you know, you may there may be some, some needs that America may have. And the support, Trump supporter may think that they need, such as a Jesse Jackson supporter, right. an Al Sharpton supporter, mm. and they may find whatever else he does in his private life is not an issue, uh, simply because they place whatever their needs are above the character mm. or above the means in which one is going about trying to get that. I mean, listen, if you need a bottle of milk for your child to take home because there's no milk in the house, right. and you see a man walking down the street with a bottle of milk and you cut his throat 
Well, you can bring the milk home, but the the, the means does not justify oh. the ends. And what oh. tribulation Trump is doing now does not in no way justify. Mm. But his means are atrocious. That's what he is doing to our nation and what he's doing to a group of people as well. But I think ultimately it will be resolved. I think personally that ultimately he's going to commit suicide. And I'll tell you why. I tell you. No, I do. Because... Mm. The level of opposition that's, again, I'm a pastor, I do a lot of preaching, this is my fourth time of talking for at least an hour today alone, and every day, and it can wear on you, and then there are times when I've had to stand in Harlem by myself, and the whole continent of Africa called me a porch monkey, they called me an Uncle Tom, Mm. they called me a bootlicker, and nobody on the streets of Harlem cared for me. Everybody hated me. Mm. That's not easy to deal with every day. I don't know how you do it. It's not easy. I I don't know how you do it. It, It's a tough thing to do. So I don't think Trump can last much longer under the the, the level of pressure that's being Mm. put on him at present. I was more concerned about... uh, Somebody helping him commit suicide, as opposed to him. Well, that too. That is, you know, <laughs> that too. <laughs> that, that too. That would be uh, something. Pastor James David, Matt, how did you become? Uh, let me put that. Uh, uh, how did you get your compassion? Speaking of what things that we do in life, where you, how do I say? Found God. Let me use that. You know, not to be. Some people might say, "Well, that's corny," but you did find God and you found Jesus. How? Because your background, right? Right. Right. Let me get, get completely thing, different. Give, give me just a couple of moments. Of course, let's, let's take a exactly. little time. Right. I grew up in rural Jim Crow, North Carolina, right. way back in the woods on the plantation, sharecropping, yeah. picking cotton, and cropping tobacco, and doing all the farm work that anybody could do. And my horizon was no no further than the trees I could mm. see around my house. I graduated high school eventually. I graduated from a segregated high school. There were all only all black people went to school I went to. Mm. I grew up in a segregated town. I came to New York and started college and uh, did well, got a job in the midst of my college, then got a great job working for a major for Bankers Trust. I don't know if you remember Bankers Trust some time yes. ago. And from Bankers Trust, I went to Procter & Gamble. And one day, uh, Lou, I was driving my company car on Fulton Street near Nostrand Avenue heading towards Euclid Avenue. It was in the summertime. It was hot. And heroin was a major monster then. People were nodding out on, on the street. It was a common thing to see the men with the, the jacket on their arms and nodding out. And I said, I got to do something to help mm. this. I quit my job at Procter & Gamble. And if you don't work, Lou, you're going to steal. I had a job. I had a great career. Wow. But I started stealing. I started burglarizing. I burglarized mm-hmm. homes in out here in Long Island. Right. When I, I, I saw a sign a few moments ago that said Mineola. I said, don't take me there. That's the police department. <laughs> <laughs> I don't Lord, don't take me to the Mineola. Yeah, the back way, the back door. Yeah, yeah. but it, I was in the Brooklyn House of Detention, and Lou, I realized that I embarrassed my mother, my teacher. Everybody thought I was going to do well. You know, who ever thought that I would, I would end up in prison or jail? Right. And I got down on my knees one night in the Brooklyn House of Detention. I didn't want to get out of jail. I just asked the Lord if he could help me heal the hurt, all the people I deserted, all the mm. people that I hurt, my wife I had done wrong, my children I had abandoned. I mean, I was an awful, awful person. And I just wanted the, the Lord to take away that pain because every day that's all I could see. And I asked him to forgive me. And, and when that happened, he stepped into my life. That was mm. 40 years ago. I have not mm. looked back. 
Um, and so that that's how I became. Wow. I, I spent time in prison. I, I've been to Sing Sing. I've been to Comstock. I've been to Auburn, mm. uh, up there in Danamora, of all places on planet Earth. Uh, but I've been clean for 40 years. Wow. <laughs> you visited New York State. <laughs> yeah, I did. You know, uh, we got uh, Johanna on the line for uh, Pastor James David uh, Matty. Do you have a question or do you want to ask Hi. a statement? Go ahead, Johanna. Pastor Manning, thank you for all your wonderful work that you do. God bless you. And um, someone wants to me to send their regards. Uh, Kevin oh. Jackson, I spoke to him this morning, and he's a great oh. admirer of yours. So I wanted to relay that message. Yeah, I was with Kevin. Thank you very much. I was with Kevin a couple of years ago down in Memphis. Give him my regards as well. <laughs> Tell him we have not been together in quite some time, uh, and we need to come together because we got work to do. Elizabeth, but I hadn't had the pleasure of speaking to you, and I wanted to call in today and just tell you how I admire you for not being a hypocrite. Thank you so oh, very much. Great. I appreciate yeah, that greatly. God bless you for that. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Uh, he was my guest, you know. Kevin, yeah. It was my guest. About today? The, no, no, October of last year. Okay, all I, right. I, I looked it up today when I, when he sent me a, a text or email, and it just said, same thing, give you my regards to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, well, I, I, you I speak to me, you, and you, you, and you I, certainly relay my regards to him. Yeah. We haven't been together sometime. Last time we were in a conference together wow. in Memphis. Yeah, another, again, I, I'm actually probably things I already know, but I think I do for the sake, which I do do for the sake of the audience, and most times, you know, our African-American community, I don't know what most of you to them do to what you refer to black people as. So I'll, I'll say that. They look up, I shouldn't generalize, but the names you hear, Jeremiah Wright, uh, Al Sharpton, Louis Farrakhan, Jesse Jackson, what about and names that you mentioned, Condoleezza Rice, Colin Powell, going back to Booker T. Washington. Why don't we get those, and of course Martin Luther King, right? right, right. Why don't we, why doesn't that be our, when I say in the minority community, why? I, I, these are the people you should worship. Let me put it that way: or should be idolized. Why are we get trapped, you know, with the people again who really are controversial? If you know, or have an answer yeah. or whatever. I, I think that if people can conceptualize what the question you just asked, right. because it's very important, right. it could do a lot to change the world. It could mm. do a lot to change America. And by the way, not just for black or African-American people in terms mm. of who they Absolutely. choose as their heroes. Absolutely. I think other people can do this. But your question is, why is it that Condoleezza Rice a hero? Why is she a heroine, if you will, right. in the eyes of the young black school children? Why isn't Colin Powell? Yes. Honored as a man who came up as a military man, went to City College, didn't get the best of grades. But yeah, yeah. and why isn't he on the the pictures and why isn't he in discussion of all of the black people or Hamite people as I refer to them, Canaanites right. or Booker T. Washington? And the reason is very simple, Lou is because they don't spew hatred for white people. To qualify mm. to be a hero in the minds of, 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 of black or white people, you have got to demonstrate an, an umpteen level of hatred and blaming of white people. Mm. Now, you'll notice how Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, the ones you name, right. what's their stock in trade? The white man did us wrong. Mm. The white man got us wrong. The white man has done this to it, and that's the thing that sells. That sells. Yeah, it, sells. it does. Yeah. It's, it, 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 and if you don't do that, you're not going anywhere. So, you can't even bring them Jesus. They don't want to hear that about Jesus. You, you know, one one of the things that you do say is that uh, obviously, why we celebrate here in the station, the anniversary of Martin Luther King. 
his birthday, and then, of course, I was out in the streets of Brooklyn when they had the riots in 68, giving right. my age away, you know, when uh, that uh, terrible thing happened with, with him, is that, you know, when we, I talk about, when we talk about sodomites, you know, don't they realize that Martin Luther King was against sodomy, right? And, and he, didn't, he was against gay marriage, which people are pushing now, gay marriage, and you being a man of cloth, right? Gay marriage, well, it bothers me, even talk about it. I think it was 1967 that Dr. King was in a, interviewed by Lerone Bennett, who was the publisher mm. of Ebony Magazine. And in that interview, Dr. King stated that anyone who was a homosexual had a psychological problem mm -hmm. and needed to be under the care of a psychiatrist. That's what Dr. King said. Right. That's exactly what he said about sodomy. <laughs> and he was absolutely right about that. But you are not going to hear uh, the so-called intelligentsia bringing up. But Lerone Bennett and Ebony Magazine, right. I know you remember Ebony Jet Magazine. You remember those years. Yeah. Uh, that, and this was widely published. They were all washed it under the bridge now as if he would be supportive of this. He right. would not. In no way would he be supportive of it. Is there an Ebony Magazine anymore, by the way? I don't know. I think they still, I think well, they still, I uh, think, you know, yeah. Essence came along in the 80s. Um, and it uh, became popular. Ebony still may be hanging around, but it's, you it know. Was, yeah, it was a gig from Manhattan. Like I was, was you know, who you would see on there, people that we touched on before, Sarah Vaughan, Billy Eckstein, Nike and Cole. That would be the, you know, the front right. page of the magazine. Right. Which, you know, we used to look at and not, you know, uh, again, not to be repetitious, and not discussing color. We did not. You know, people might not, oh, sure, you must have been. We are all racist to a degree. We all have some sort of racism. You got to be. You got to be. And, you know, one of the things like. And it's not your racism, it's God's racism, but go ahead. Okay, we'll talk about that yeah, later. So, yeah, but you, you know, for an example, if you have a name, a vowel on your name, first thing you would say, well, are you hooked up? Are you connected? You know, right, and if you're right. a detective, like my late partner and I, that would bother us. I don't know. People don't realize that. Oh, what do you think of Al Capone? I don't think anything of Al Capone. You know, <laughs> but, uh, I, I, you know. So I mean, people have to realize it's not just a certain group of people. No, I was just saying, yeah. We, you know, when I went to an event, and the uh, person so uh, Josephine Gambino, you might have heard of her. She was a state uh, commissioner of something. You, uh, she was the commissioner of the whole Gambino family. That was, but she was no, she was a kosher. What they said, okay. she All was right. not, and that would that would kill her when they say when they told her. Okay. You know, so we went to an event. And it was an Italian-American event. Alphonse Amato was there. Mario Cuomo at the time. He might have been lieutenant governor. That's how far i go going back. And she was highlighting, um, talking about before, what the Italians brought to America. Statues, paintings, you know, food, culture, food, of course. Clothing. Uh, yes, and the things like that. And uh, the band comes on, and they play the theme of the Godfather. Mm. Mm. We had to hold her back. That was the end of our music that night. They opened up. They thought, they assumed that well, Italian-American organization, we're going to say, oh, the Godfather. It's a form of racism and branding. Yes. yes. So, yeah, so people have to understand that, you know, it's in almost every race, every culture. But we see it more starting from the 60s, which you touched on before. How it, when the Al Sharpens came along. Right. It's sort of, you know, it, it uh, had nothing to do with being black or white. It had to do with making green, you know. And, to this and that's day. an interesting point. I hope your audience hear that. Please say that over and over again, mm. because 
racism became a cottage industry for mm. for black people. Uh, Lou, uh, and, and, and I get a lot of pushback from this, and people don't know how to deal with it. Oh, they boy. think that I'm, I'm somehow sort of a madman. <laughs> but but racism and race baiting became the way that black people made money. They don't make major airplanes. They're not pregnant with it. They don't have major corporations. They don't even design great suits and have well, great We got a brain surgery running for president. I, can I, don't, okay. don't get me started with him. Okay, okay. But, but, but when they discovered, Lou, right. that they could use racism and political racism, the NAACP exploded mm. with millions of dollars, and local punks like Al Sharpton and Jesse Jackson mm. and Ab, Rap Brown and a bunch of others became very wealthy, very well known, very pop, more wealthy and more better known than Billy Eckstein, Sarah Vaughn, oh, using racism. It became a cottage industry. It's the way that mm-hmm. black people make their money because they don't own banks. They don't have major real estate corporations. They don't have investment firms. But they have racism tied down, locked wow. down, stock and barrel. Wow. And that's how they make their money. Wow. This is a big question. How come it's not... Uh, more of you, let me put it that way, uh, Pastor. How come a, a, I, people feel it what you feel? African Americans or black people feel what you feel, and they say, but they say to themselves, they don't come out and have the courage that you have to do this in the way with the world that we're living in today. You know, Pastor James David Madden, why isn't there more Pastor James Maddings around to get this or God's message or Jesus' message out there that you do? There's several answers, and I'm not sure this is the best one, right. but it's painful. It, you don't get very much support. Mm. You're ter- terribly misunderstood. Your own family would turn against you. Your yeah. mama would turn against <laughs> you if you so, don't toe the line. And so though a man may see the truth and he may know the mm. truth, He's not going to go against Obama. He's not going to go against Al Sharpton because he loses family. He may lose his job. Mm, it, it is very, Lou, you know, it is, it, is, it is painful to walk out on the streets of Harlem and everybody look at you and call you an Uncle Tom. I'm no damn Uncle Tom. Mm. I don't hate people. I don't know anybody who does more in Harlem to help people yeah, than I, I do. But it's painful. And no matter much, how much you explain yourself, Children look at you like he's a hater. You know, they walk by our church and say, mm. and so that's one of the reasons why, because it's a massive campaign to keep you in your place. Right. And that's why most people don't do it, that do know wow. the truth. That's just one of the reasons. The other will be too long to go into. Yeah, uh, this is Lou Talano, my guest, uh, Pastor James David Manning of the Atla World Missionary Christian Church. Of Harlem, and it's great to have him here today. Uh, I don't get too many people guests here from Harlem, you know. So, <laughs> you know, I, I so, guess not. <laughs> yes, but anyway, but I do get politicians. They'll come from all over, of course. Well, good, because that's their color. You yeah, know? yeah, that's, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. Good, good, good for yeah, them. They have their own. They have their own style, agenda, and you know, and what that. Now, uh, how long do you think you're going to keep this up? How long do you have? You, you went to. You talked about. You did several. Went to several places before today, speaking like we're doing right now. Right. What gives you that strength to do that and keep the, and not to use an old cliche? How do you keep the faith? When I think about and by, I love all God's people. Don't misunderstand me. 
But when I think about little so-called black African-American children mm. growing up in homes where they don't have their fathers, they living in rat and roach-infested apartments, and there's really not enough money to go around. There's no milk in the refrigerator, and they're living a pretty hard life. Their underwears don't get washed very often. And I think about the women, the hardships that they go through because men don't stand up. Now, obviously, there's a whole lot of rappers and other people who do have money, and many people who own public assistance play the public assistance game Mm. to get what they want. But it's the kind of lifestyle I would want or suggest for anybody. And I believe that one day that the people that have, have really, who have never, and I say this with people and ask people to just please listen to me. The people who really never made any major contributions right. to humankind. They've not built anything in Africa, and they've not really built very much here in America either that they have not been aided by the white men. Now, I don't say that to try to put people down. Right. I know it puts me down for saying it. Uh, but I think the truth will set people free. Right. So when I wake up every day, I think there's a chance that two more people might be converted mm. and might hear me and say, you know, Pastor Manning is right. That The man is trying to show us the way. He's trying to show us the love of God. He's trying to, trying to show us the truth. And I get up. If I get two people today, I think I've won a victory. Wow. And that's why I do it. Pastor James, uh, Dave Manning, how can people reach you? Do you want like people to contact you or, or through email or on social media? Do you, I know I, I see you on social media. Do, do you have invite people to your church? Yeah, we, we'd love to have folks come in to come out to church and ministry. It's on 123rd Street. You want to come to Harlem? Right. It's on 123rd Street and Lenox Avenue. Uh, we're Christian. We believe right. in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we don't just cater to a black audience. Right. We have members that are, if you will, white or Japheth members as well. Jesus. Uh, you know, if you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you're welcome. And if you're unsaved and crazy, you're still welcome. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, a good thing about being a Christian. You you know, you welcome everyone. Yeah, come on in. We'll yeah. work with you. We'll deal with you. You will come Ooh. on in. Listen, anybody can come and sit and listen to me teach or preach. I got to give them credit. Yeah, I got to give them credit. But no, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. James D. Manning. That's Dr. James D. Manning on Twitter. And then we have our YouTube posting uh, on Atla Worldwide. That's Mm. our YouTube uh, post. And then uh, uh, our Facebook posting is James David Manning, I believe, in the Facebook. And people follow us there. And, uh, you know, Atla One is our, our you just, just post an Atla and you'll get it. Just just, just right. Google it and you Atla, A-T-L-A-H. And by the way, I know that name sounds Muslim. It ain't. <laughs> it's not. It's not. Right. It means it's a, an acronym for All the Land Anointed Holy, A-T-L-A-H, that Harlem uh, is, is anointed holy. So wow. uh, just punch in Atla and you'll get me. Okay, the phone number, 516-623-1240. And we got Richie on the line. Yes, Richie. First, I want to say what a fabulous interview. Uh, Pastor 